You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network Best of Episode. to to be an MC was it was it the lyricism was it the music was it the beats how did you end up getting into to your to your craft it was a combination of all those things always like when even when I was younger like third and fourth grade you know I had a thing for music class and poetry and you know it was just something that was in me from the beginning man always I was two things I wanted to be when I was in school I wanted to be a rap star and an airline pilot and now that you know I'm a rap star, I fly just as much as the airline pilot. So no doubt, kind of kill two birds with one stone, man. For those that are listening, and one of the things that we do is a little different. Not a lot of sports talk radio shows that really, really feature the, the hip hop artists. For those that may not have heard your work that are that are listening around the country, tell us a little bit about your rap style. Obviously, I know about your style. Uh, I'm still bumping that that Philadelphia Freeway that that all right track. Is one of my favorite tracks. Like when I'm depressed, that, when I'm depressed, I just drive around the city playing that, and you know that <laughs> everything's going to be good. Uh, but tell us a little bit about about your style and, and kind of the way that you that you structure your rhymes. Uh, my style is kind of unorthodox. You know, uh, I'm from the era where we we uh, we pride ourselves in being different. You know, so I always try to push myself to the limit and come up with different flow patterns and. My music is passionate. You know, it's a lot of heartfelt music. So that's the reason why uh, uh, a single like What We Do Is Wrong that I put out in 2003 mm-hmm. still resonates to this day. I've just performed. I had a show with Styles P last night. Just performed it last night. And, you know, the people were going crazy like it just yeah. came out the day before, you know. So yeah. definitely um, a blessing. What about, I'm just kind of also curious, you know, a lot of people that are listening, you being a part of state property, being a part of Rockefeller Records, Rock Nation, you've toured mm-hmm. with with some of the greatest uh, ever to be in this industry, the Kanye's, the the Jay-Z's, uh, Beans, all of those guys that, that we know and love and respect. What was it like just being on the bus, being on the plane with these guys, performing with them? Uh, what, what has that been like throughout your career? Uh, man, it's magical, man. It's like, feeling that when it was happening, I thought it would never end. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. just amazing, man. It's just being in the mix of living your dream, man, is just wonderful, man. And I'm just happy to be able to still do it at this level. Like, you know, I just did a deal with Rock Nation for my next album. Yeah. It's already dropped June 8th. It's called Think Free. And just to be back with the family and be able to get another shot to, you know, prove to the world, how passionate I am about this music thing is definitely a blessing, man. In Philadelphia, and, and for those, like I said, we're we're an interesting show, being that we're out on the West Coast, and the culture mm-hmm. and hip hop on the West Coast is different than the culture of hip hop on the East Coast. Me being an East Coast guy and having ties to to Philadelphia, a lot of a lot of people. My first um, introduction to you was actually through battle rap. 
Like you can go back yeah. in the day and see a lot of a lot of guys from from Philly just facing each other off, and and that's something that's very common in Philly, New York, uh, Boston, D.C. Tell my listeners a, a little bit about the the battle rap concept and how individuals like yourself had to engage in that as you were moving up in the stage before you even signed a deal. Yeah, it was it, battle rap was always part of the culture, like uh, summer times in Philadelphia. You know, we had like the, the it, it's crazy how sports and music goes hand in hand because we would have like the summer leagues, like uh, for people from Philadelphia, they know like 52nd and Parkside, 16th and Susquehanna, and like the summer leagues, the teams would be going up against each other, and like different local artists from the city would be on the sidelines battling. And you know, um, I'm from a crew called Ice City, and we used to just go all around the city just battling people, and you know putting our rep on the line and that's how I came up and you know early days of Rockefeller people would come up there to try to get signed and they would bring me in a room and if they could get past me they might have a chance to get a deal and no one ever got past me you know so no yeah, doubt it was, um, it was that serious and you know that was dangerous for me too because somebody could came up there and smoke me right you know they would have been looking at me like I'm crazy <laughs> you know so. no it's funny you kind of mentioned the the street element and Philly's produced so much, so much talent. I mean, you have yourself, you have Beans, you have uh, A.R. Ab, you have, I'm mm-hmm. trying to think, you have The Roots, obviously Gilly. Will Smith, you got Major Gilly, Figures. you got Kaz. I mean, there's so many people yeah, coming out even, of Philadelphia. Even this, this next generation, you know, Meek, Definitely. you got uh, Kerr, uh, you even got P&B Rock, even though he, he has a different style, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, all, it all stems from the streets, the streets of Philadelphia, man. You know, a lot of people doing their thing, man. What makes the streets of Philly different than than kind of the streets of, of any other city, uh, USA? What makes Philly so so different that's produced so much talent? Oh, man, they say it's that school kill punch or something in the water, man. You know, that school <laughs> kill river. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like, you know, Philly is so small and, like, the blocks are so, like, you might, be going through it with somebody that live two doors down from you. You can't mm-hmm. avoid them. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just everything is so tight, you know, and, you know, it's everybody want to get out, you know, everybody fighting, fighting to be on top, to be successful and take care of their family. So it's a lot of passion in the city. No doubt, no doubt. Once again, for those listening, I'm talking to the one and only Freeway of Rock Nation. Uh, he has several projects that, that he's promoting, obviously chopping it up about the success of Philadelphia sports right now with the Eagles being the reigning Super Bowl champions, yes, the Villanova yes, Wildcats being the reigning NCAA champions, yes, and sir. also um, your 76ers trusting the process and, and looking like they're going to have a very good opportunity to advance to the East Coast, uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals, or maybe Most beyond. Definitely. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on, on the show, uh, Freeway, I love your music, obviously, and, and my listeners love your music. But what you're doing in the community, I just find to be so dope and so inspirational. Um, you had some setbacks you, with your personal health. And a lot of people that have had health issues are very quiet about their health, and, and they really kind of keep that on the low. You've been vocal about um, high blood pressure and diabetes and kidney health. And all of those things, you've been out doing kidney walks, you're out promoting. Um, I just want to give you a chance to to kind of talk about some of those things that you're doing in the community, uh, really just uh, becoming an individual that's that's promoting health, not just uh, an MC that can spit those bars. 
And for those that don't know, in uh, September 2015, I was diagnosed with end-stage renal failure, which is kidney failure. So um, I'm actually on a transplant list. Uh, things are looking real good, so hopefully sometime soon I'm going to get a transplant. But uh, my main reason for, uh, for uh, sharing my story with the world and for just putting it out there is just for the awareness. Man. You know, I was running around with three risk factors of kidney failure, and I was unaware of it. And uh, The first risk factor is high blood pressure. The second risk factor is diabetes. And surprisingly, another risk factor is just being African-American, mm-hmm. you know. And there's so many people that don't even know that, you know, and it's just so important for me to spread the awareness because if I would have knew, I would have been able to slow down the process, you know, and I might I might have been in, be in better shape than I am now, you know. So uh, with my album, we have a documentary called Free Will that, you know, uh, covers my journey and my battle with kidney disease, man, and it's real informative. And I'm also the uh, ambassador for the National Kidney Foundation, we have a kidney walk in Baltimore on uh, May 6th, you know. So we just spreading awareness, man, trying to help the people. It's just so important to keep up with your routine physicals. You at least need to see the doctor once a year, get blood work, mm. you know, because this is some of the things that I wasn't doing. You know, I'm running around the world, touring, living my dream, eating whatever I want, drinking whatever I want, you know, just living reckless, you know, not paying too much attention to my health. And you know, help as well. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Lance Jay here for Industrious Office Space here in Nashville. I'm constantly getting DMs and emails about the beautiful panoramic offices that we lease downtown overlooking the Music City. Industrious's offices and suites inspire productivity and their modern design and anonymities are unparalleled. They have a great staff and flexible lease options of 3, 6, and 12 months. Moving into our space has been the best decision I have made since becoming an entrepreneur. If you want to absolutely blow away your clients and turn your small business into a large business, go to www.industriousoffice.com and schedule a tour of the downtown Union Street or Gulch office. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. If you're a man, you don't cry about it. You take life, the ups and downs. If you're a real man, you never go down, you just stay up. That's why I'm the world champion. That's why this sport coat costs $800 and that costs 200 And I don't know what that costs, I'd be ashamed to wear it. That's why I'm wearing lizard shoes and a Rolex watch and I got a limousine sitting out there a mile long with 25 women just dying for me to go, woo! Because I'm the world champion, sucker. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Last night, because we're recording on a <laughs> Sunday afternoon uh, here here at 610 Sports. Last night, I had a chance to to chop it up with Rita B. I was um, 
enjoying my time with with the with the intangible, I believe, class of 1997. You were intangible. No one said that word. The intangible class of 1997. I had a chance to chop it up with them. We were talking about old school times. Who used to date who? Who used to be the best ball players? Who were the prettiest (laughs) girls? Who was the coolest? Everybody having their Al Bundy stats. You know what I'm saying? I, I scored four touchdowns in the game in high school 20 years ago. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> Jonesy, myself, and Pat are class of 96. Now, we went to school with Rita B. Rita B was a year behind us. Um, her class was very rambunctious. They, yes, were, they were very uh, encourageable. They're a group of individuals <laughs> that came in as freshmen. They put a lot of pressure on our class because they were bigger than our class. They had yeah. more spirit than our yes, class. We, we were guys. wedged in as 96ers between a strong class in 1995 and another strong class in 1997. So people like myself and Pat, uh, Jonesy didn't live in the dorm with us. We were always trying to kind of fight off 97 while trying to (laughs) keep our space in respect amongst the class that was ahead of us. Last night was quite a spectacle, (laughs) Rita B. It was a real spectacle after a few um, adult beverages were served (laughs) and consumed. (laughs) There were some things that were said that probably should not be said in a public public? forum. And because I'm petty and immature, I'm going to say those same things on ESPN (laughs) Philadelphia. So we're calling cats out. I'm I'm going to, this is one of those where I start the monologue and I set it up. And then I'm going to sit here quietly because I know if anyone has a good story from high school, it's Pat Green and Jonesy. Um, so we have some real good, some real good stories. So I'm gonna set it up and I'll let them take it away. I'm not gonna name names, but this is how gangster I am. Right. I'm not gonna name names, but there was some type of rumor that my current co-host Rita B. Are we had going there? Actually, <laughs> oh yeah, we're there. Oh, we're there. We're going in. No, we're all the way like there. Made out, had not kissed. Kiss. Oh, made out. Made yeah, out. it was like made out. <laughs> had Court made rest. out like, with an individual. Oh my god. Twenty, <laughs> roughly twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. Twenty three years ago. Mm. We come to find out that that make out session may or may have not happened. happened. So we're saying it's a 99.9% chance that, that it, never it did happened. not happen. Fraudulent. How does that make you feel, Rita B? Being because obviously. Beautiful girl. Oh, thank you. You had a reputation for for doing things the right way. So I mean, we all did a lot of dirt in high school. I mean, man, yes, we have. We, me and Not Josie, me, me and Josie and Pat going to Applebee's. We're going to talk about that after uh, off air. <laughs> As someone that I went to high school with, and I know really kept it together, wasn't really about that life. What did it, we not naming names? But no. what did it feel like? When you heard that you had made out with someone that, that you hadn't actually made out with. Oh, I was very upset. So I I was there just, you know, innocently enjoying the banter, the conversation. Innocent. That's and, I, and, and I said yeah. to them, I said, oh, I was just back in high school, just eating my popcorn, watching the show because I was not part of the show. And that's where right. I got attacked and said, oh, no, you were dealing with so-and-so. And I said, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Never happened. We dated very briefly. I remember for all of those who went to Pine Forge, we had a little bridge right in front of the girls' dorm. Mm. This individual tried to lean over and kiss me, and I remember this because I thought it was—I thought it was pretty bad that I did it, but I did it. I put my hand up in between our faces, 
and just said no. And from then on, we stopped talking. We stopped dating, obviously. So last Rightfully night. Rightfully so. Yeah, so last Like, what would he need you so. for after that? <laughs> <laughs> right. You're thinking like a 17-year-old boy. Like, that's, that's, yeah. the, end, that's the end of that. We were 15. Next. We were 15 because okay. this was that's sophomore worse. year. Yes, yeah. I'm not putting I a ring on anybody at 15. Right. right. So. right. so he moved on. He moved on. But <clears> to hear this last night, he wasn't there to defend himself or to, to, to argue with me about this. But to hear them say this last night, I was really upset because I'm thinking, so here I am, my first three weeks in this boarding school. Who knows what stories this young man told about me that were not true because three or four dudes came to me and said, no, we heard you guys made out. We heard. No, did not last happen. Night? Last night, I just found this out. See, see Rita B is debunking, debunking so the rumor survived 25 just, years ago. Yeah, wow. I, I straight debunked it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pull I wish I came. So the rumor survived from what, 90, 94, <laughs> that 95? That was 94, 95 years. Until, that was 90, yeah. yeah. That was I mean, it survived in a specific circle. So, I mean, if you have your own So they up, thought, right. so I know James was in my corner because right. I remember probably wrote in a note that I passed him in school. I remember telling James I remember about, that. I remember telling you about this story. <laughs> I'm such a jerk. I told him about this story and I told my girlfriends. So they tried to bring my friends over too, to say, did, were you there? No one was there. Cause who, who people did that in private. So yeah. yeah, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to dispel the myth. That never or happened. ESPN Radio. I never, ESPN no, I, Radio. I, I never, so, I so never someone, kissed anyone at that school. So I was someone, tired of seeing them. Maybe maybe the Hill School. Yeah, I mean, we all know Rita Valley B only Forge. dates people that like play in the league or like <laughs> no. have Grammy Awards or something okay. like that. No. But yeah, nevertheless, yeah. so somebody told a half-truth or complete untruth, complete untruth about you. You're firing shots back on ESPN radio. So we have a larger audience <laughs> than a click of a dozen guys yes. or so that is this initial story was told to. Pat, I'm a I'm gonna pass it to you because because okay. you know you we have a lot of war stories. <laughs> what do you think about this conceptually? Now we're not trying to name no names. No we're, names. We're keeping we're keeping the names innocent. I don't want to get sued by anybody but right. what do you think conceptually when you were 15 right you there's pressure from the homies and the crew right like you know that you're kind of seeing someone and you're sitting with that person they want to chapel in church they want to know that something went down they want to know that you yeah meaning you know what right. I'm saying? at least getting a little something <laughs> right as a as we're adults now but how did you manage the pressure back in the day because i i can honestly say my Friend, you know, I dealt with at the time in high school. <laughs> Which one was this? No names. I think maybe <laughs> even in Rita B's uh, situation, mm-hmm. this could happen where you don't say you actually did catch wreck with right. that person, catch but you, wreck, d- but you didn't. I know factually that in Rita B's case, it was said that, Ooh. that yeah, the wreck exactly. was caught because it got back to me. Okay. 23 years ago. Ooh. And exactly. I said some profane things that I can't say on the radio. Right. But I didn't know because it's still the bro code. So right. I wasn't going to go back to Rita and say, yeah. yo, this is what the streets are saying because I right. still got to live. You know what I'm saying? Right. I still it's I family. saved myself. It's I family. Myself. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't think it was right, but I, I've been in situations where, you know, friend I've dealt with, right. people might just thought that I was – Engaging, doing a little more, doing a little more, and you'll sit there and you just don't say anything, yeah, because people just expect, right? I've been that, there. I, I support, but that. I, I do believe I had some guys around that time that were my good guy friends that said basically 
if that's if you're trying to do something, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Even dating probably at that at that time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anybody can get got. So I right. don't know about no, all that. I, I mean, no, you, you sit with me and Jonesy, no. you and the Lions then. So theoretically, right. anyone, you're just coming in as a new student from Cleveland. I was fresh me. This yeah. cute girl from Cleveland. Yeah. Like, it was the, the wolf pack, so to speak, they're not thinking like you're thinking. Like you're thinking like a person with yeah. morals. We went to school with some amoral people. Like people did, but that don't have any folk. soul. <laughs> None. Didn't have a soul 20 years ago. But I had a totally don't different perspective. I've been quiet. Totally different so perspective. I'm going to chime in real quick. I can say firsthand, factually, that when you first got there, there was absolutely several guys who had you on their, how could I say this, target Ooh, list. They're the target list. They're hit list. Wow, I'm <laughs> just hearing there this. Were a couple guys, there were a couple guys who had their designs set on you. Wow. I'm not going to call no names. Wow. But I remember outrunning my miles talking to some guys like, yeah, and, they, and they're bringing up names like, yeah, you know that one new girl, Sharita, she kind of mm. nice. Yeah. Right, right, I, right. I, I know that. I know that. So That's true. I, that's facts. And, that's and facts. just so you know, no one, no. Yeah, we no know one that they didn't there. get nowhere. I mean, I mean, we're all grown people, married. I know how to read kids. between I mean, the it lines. Didn't, uh-huh. It didn't, it didn't go down, but right. But the way that Cleveland kind of reducing Street ourselves smart. back to fifteen-year-old boys. Right. I mean, if you're a fifteen-year-old boy, you see a new, a new young lady that mm-hmm. hasn't already told you to drop dead, right? <laughs> and she's looking good, and she's new. She doesn't know that yeah. you've done some dirt or whatever, then you got to take your shot. You know what I'm saying? When Gilly, when Gilly the Kid was in here and was talking about people trying to DM his wife in the part that we didn't wow. air, he was like, yo, you got to take your shot. I'm not mad when people try right. to get at my wife. My wife's hot. Mm-hmm. You got to take your shot. Because yeah, exactly. that's, that's how an OG thinks. So... If somebody saw you and they was trying to trying to yeah I mean yeah I mean yeah they gonna they gonna talk to their mans, pardon the pun mans they're gonna talk to their mans <laughs> and they're gonna chop it up and they're gonna be like yo how can I get at the girl Rita B and hey, that's how that's how they young just, men they think. just didn't meet this savvy chick from from Cleveland and they didn't know how to deal now I, they didn't know that they was bumping into you and then once yeah, the word exactly. got out then you know and y'all, and y'all had a, and y'all had a pretty cool a, crew at the time too right, yeah. right, right you know right, what right. I mean yeah but you know this that same type of situation that Sharita had has happened I don't know if I should I go here but <laughs> the, go there the infamous California trip oh man oh that was talked really, about last really night. There were a lot of people who were affected <laughs> a lot of, yo, there in are the a lot California of, trip. Yeah. At at dinner. It was a very night. interesting. So I'm gonna kick it back to you, Rita B. It was wow. a very interesting dynamic. Um, and I'm probably getting out of pocket with so I'm gonna really try to clean it up. Yeah. I find it very That's funny when individuals 20 years after the fact that yeah. are married and stuff and have spouses, and maybe the spouses are present. And you're drudging up things that happened 20 years Oof. ago. I just yeah. find that to be very interesting. Yeah. How did you feel as a single person? I, mean, I was t- I was sitting with your with one of your homies that's married, and she she made it a point to sit on the other side of the room. Like she wanted absolutely no, no part parts. of that conversation. Like what was what was going on in your head? Is, well, is for me, I responsibly declined going on the California trip. I remember having a conversation mm-hmm. um, with yeah. those in charge of that trip. I don't know about all that. I think we, you might be. I nope, think you might nope, be twisting the story. Nope. Like either you had a nope, spot on the bus. No, I had a spot, on the, spot on the bus. See, you can't. You Can can't. I not finish this? <laughs> I think two of us last night said we decided we didn't want to go on that trip because yeah. we would have had to leave the day after Christmas. 
for me, I was kind of like Christmas Christmas was a big deal for me. me. I would have had to leave on December 26th to go out to L.A. And I was like, I don't want to do it. I remember being nervous. It's a good thing that you. you, I didn't. You know, and that's good thing you didn't. Definitely. I must (laughs) have felt something. But I I remember being nervous telling him I did not. I could not go on that trip. I didn't Mm, want to go on the trip. Mm, Good thing you Um, did not. Yeah. Be honest with you. And when that trip, when it happened and and everyone came back and I I heard the stories, I was just thinking to myself, I'm so glad I wasn't caught up in it. And last night when they brought it up, there were several couples. um, And some of them were married to other people, obviously, last night that talked about this trip and how much it affected their relationships at the time during high school and how many feelings they had. And and, and a lot of the young ladies were not who were not a part of that particular um, group in high school who would not have had the opportunity at all to go on that trip, they were highly affected because their guys, you know, did other things and kept themselves busy on that trip. So, yeah, yeah, I was on that trip. You were on that trip. <laughs> Weren't the three of you on this trip? Oh, you I was I was on the trip, but um, <laughs> I passed I, on that trip. I actually, <laughs> See? I was not embroiled in, in any of the scandal. I mean, that was that was my senior year. I was just focused on, on leveraging out. the fact that yeah. I was able to um, but you were ascend to, to be the president of my class, and I knew that I had a, a that was a very good answer. Coming. That, was that was very good very answer. Very yeah, I was, I was, I was just focused on getting savvy. out of. That was, was a good answer. Getting out of uh, high school we were and going the to college. Truth on this radio, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah, I, I wasn't really involved. In, you just in might not. I just, I just saw something. Did you consult that lawyer for that advice? Yeah, I don't think. I'm just I mean, some marriages might have happened because of that trip. Let's be honest. I just want to know if you consulted a lawyer <laughs> before you gave that answer. I, I consult a lawyer. Some people who never saw anything. people in certain ways. Because yeah. you know, I'm gonna be honest, I just I just saw some that. things, and not naming any names, I won't get in trouble here. No, definitely not. I saw names. some things that I'm like, wow, can't believe you just did that, and then. Right, you know. Get back to let's campus. go sing O Four Faith ah! after that. Oh man, he took <laughs> it. Get back to the he campus. Took it, he took it to, to the choir and, and those. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. It was a, it was a crazy tour. I mean, one of the things that, and like I said, I've always talked about it on the show. The Pine Forge story is irrelevant because Pine Forge is in our viewing area. Pine Forge is is a low key sponsor of the show. Yeah. Uh, we do we donate. Advent Sports Network donates a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of energy to to bolstering up yeah. Pine Forge. But the fact that we all went to school together is really what makes this show unique so because we have the chemistry, yeah. we have the stories, um, we have we all have personal stories one on one. We all have stories where we were out as a group and something crazy uh, went down. <laughs> What did it feel like, real talk, Sharita, all jokes aside, like coming back 20 years later, you're still looking good. A lot of your Thank friends you. are still looking good. People are married. People got kids. Yeah. Like it's a blessing just to be up breathing. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Be here, period. Be here, alive. People, you're not, when you're young and 16, you're not really thinking of, of how life's going to hit you. I mean, yeah. now that we're adults and got student loans and, and we've had people been touched by by illness yeah. Uh, we have issues. Many of us are taking care of our parents as they age, all of that good stuff. What, what was it like really being back uh, on Pine Forge Academy's campus and uh, fellowshipping with people from your class? It was awesome. I mean, just to see, you know, not even just my closest friends, but every single class member that was able to show up. It was beautiful to see mm-hmm. their families, just to see how their life has progressed since high school. Um just to come back and really be on the grounds that kind of molded and shaped us as adults. Um, I actually participated in our career day. Um, for those who don't know, I work for Special Olympics International, so I work for a sports organization, and I actually promoted um, 
the sports and health industry and what you can do in those industries. And, Dope. you know, we do a lot of work with the NFL, NBA. Um, so I wanted to make it really exciting for the students, um, talking to them about, you know, where you can go after leaving this 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 great uh, academy. Um, being able to just hang out with my girlfriends, who I've been friends with for 20-plus years. Flossy Posse. We're not so <laughs> far from Flossy Posse, but it's the All-Star, so we kind of have a sports reference there at All-Star 5. Um, we uh, basically... I didn't know. I thought it was seven and a half. Like, I can't even... No, that's, prob- that's 95. Yeah, clicks, that yeah. was 95. <laughs> we were All-Stars. We always um, used to say nothing but net. That was kind of one of our little slogans. <laughs> you, try, you should probably kept I, that. I actually, you probably should have kept that back in, whatever. The, back and, in the 90s. And even last, even last night, I, I found myself, you know, reminiscing on the basketball court as I used to do in my school skirt and shoot around with some of my classmates. I did that. Shereed, well I love you. You're not game. a ball player. I am. You're not a Builder ball player. used to always ask me to try out. Are you That's kidding me? That's because you're beautiful. No, he used to ask me to try out for the team all the hey, time. There's another agenda. I am a baller. For those of you who don't know. Definitely, absolutely, unequivocally not a baller. Whatever. Anyways, I, I can dribble very well on the left nice and on the right. So I I have some good handles, by the way. Basketball I don't camp think I've in my ever, lifetime. Street, I've known You've you. Never seen me I've known play. you for 25 you years. I've never seen you oh. in like basketball shorts. Ask my actually. dad when I play and run basketball with him and his friends. That's some beautiful thing. Why don't you give it to your wife? My wife? How am I gonna give it to my wife? I ain't married. You got a girlfriend? Yeah, I got a girlfriend, yeah. So marry her. Hey, you for real? I'm asking you to middle a diamond for me here. Now, all I want from my end is 8,000. What I'm saying to you is you should give it to somebody that don't know any better because that's a fugazi. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. James Lewis. James Lewis is the best. James Lewis is the best. He is above the rest. James Lewis is the best. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. That was interesting. So, Jeremy, that's what I think about your song. You get the you get the Mike Tyson's punch out, Blast Joe, <laughs> knockout, TKO. Jeremy's texting me right now. He's calling me a jerk for hanging up on him. Um, you are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. You don't know me. Probably never will. But I need you to do something for me. Something that could literally change everything. You'll never get a thank you card. And yet, I need you to do it. And if that weren't enough, I need you to do it as soon as you are able to. If you do this for me, I'll do it for you. And for every single person you love. Deal? This is our shot to leave COVID behind. But looking back to CSI Miami... I'm not the first person to to do this bit. Everybody's done this bit over and over again. It was done to death in like the early 2010s. It was a very, very popular bit with the David Crusoe one-liners. How David Crusoe, he would always make the 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 very obvious comment as they're as they're patrolling through Miami catching bodies so i was thinking to myself i said we should do this here on the lance day radio network now if it was me and rampage and we were detectives 
and not just around Miami. We were detectives going around Phoenix and Miami and L.A. and all of the hotbeds for, for professional sports and news going looking looking for looking for the prostitution looking for the 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 coke the the angel dust the sherm the the bam bam the blue tops as they would say on the wire the pandemic pardon the pun as they would say on the wire i kind of wondered let's if we if what would happen if me and rampage were out and I was I was the David Caruso part, and Rampage was my partner, and we were doing sports talk events as if we were the 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 detectives coming in to to assess the situation. I, I kind of wonder how it would go. So if we were here in Phoenix, here would be a good a good example. Well, Rampage, Kyler Murray had a great rookie season for the Cardinals, but he came up just a little short. <laughs> Calabria is really, really short. I'm very concerned about his size and his long-term efficacy as a quarterback in the NFL. It's kind of amazing because he's he's short, but he has a he has a very long torso, which is difficult to be. He's listed at 5'10. I've seen Calabria in person. He's 5'8 and change at best. If you stood him, if he was a body double for the for the for the life movie of Spud Webb, him and Spud Webb could be body doubles. Kyler Murray would be throwing the ball off the backboard to himself in an Atlanta Hawks uniform. You would not be able to tell the difference. If, if, I, was, if I was the Cardinals, I would draft Jalen Hurts or someone who's a project quarterback to sit behind Kyler Murray because he would be spending a lot of time in the training room at his size. Here's another one. Well, Rampage, Zion Williamson is listed at 283 pounds. But with six months off, it could end up being 328 pounds. Somebody's got to get Zion Williamson a treadmill. He's He's got to lose some weight during this time. He does not have, I was saying on the show, I don't have the ability. I'm out here running every day. If you look at my page, at Lance J Radio Network, you see me exercising. You see me out here running. I can't gain 20 pounds. I don't have, I don't have the 20-pound cushion to gain more weight. During this time of quarantine, I've got to lose weight. Zion Williamson, you got to give him a treadmill. He's a baller. He's he's nice, but he's fat. And I'm fat, but the difference between me and him is I don't have to play a back-to-back against Portland and Sacramento. One of the telltale fat boy signs, and I was a Husky kid, one of the telltale fat boy signs is when someone's wearing a uniform and their shorts are riding up at a 15-degree angle, that means that, that you're too fat or you need to get a bigger size. And Zion Williamson, if you ever see him run up and down the court in the Pelicans, they give you bigger shorts at Duke. In the Pelicans, his shorts are always riding up at, at, a, at, a, at, a, 50, at a 10 to 15-degree angle. Here's, a, here's another one. Let me move it away from sports. Well, Rampage, Orange, you glad that President Trump is leading our great nation through this crisis. If you're if you're if you're Donald Trump, I'm I'm just I'm just blown away. If the world was coming to an end and you're facing you're the leader of the free world. 
you're facing the biggest global crisis in in our generation, the biggest global crisis since World War II, one of the biggest global crises in the history of the world. How is it that before every presser, he has he makes the opportunity, meaning that he he creates time on his schedule to make sure that his orange spray on paint face is prepared and perfectly manicured. Why why does he do that? You would think that if the world, if we're facing Armageddon and potential annihilation of the human race, you would think that he would skip the orange tanning sessions before the press conferences in the Rose Garden, but but not not our dear leader. I actually wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if the orange spray paint that he spray paints on his face. And it's funny because the eyes are always at his regular skin tone. If you look, if you look at pictures of Donald Trump back from the eighties, when he was the man, when he was in Atlantic city, bankrupting casinos, dating strippers, dating models, having three ways, four ways, grabbing women in, in the bleep. He wasn't orange back then. He wasn't applying the, the man tan, and the spray paint back in the Atlantic City casino days, but he's dedicated to that look. I wonder who's doing his stylist. I, I think that it might be the antidote to coronavirus because it's very suspicious to me that he hasn't had it. Pence hasn't had it. Nancy Pelosi hasn't had it. Bernie Sanders hasn't had it. Uncle Joe Biden hasn't had it. I find that to be very, very, very suspicious because all of those people are like 100 plus and in the highest risk group, but none of them, none of them has had a, a taste, even a sniffle or, or a post-nasal drip cough. I find that to be very interesting and suspicious, but I'm not, I'm not doing Unsolved Mysteries radio. But if you look, if you look at, what if Donald Trump was, was CSI Miami? What if Donald Trump, and I can't do a Trump impersonation, but what if Donald Trump was David Caruso? And you look at some of the things that, that President Trump, whose who's extremely poor leadership, and this isn't a partisan issue, I'm not a liberal, so don't at me with this is liberal drivel, but, but what, if, what if President Trump was David Caruso from CSI and we did a, we did a, a look at the, the Trump blooper reel of everything that he said to the media since the inception of the coronavirus. So I'm going to start February 1st. I'm going to use my voice. I'm going to use a David Crusoe voice. Because I can't, I don't do a good Trump. We have it totally under control. It's one person coming from China and we have it under control. It's going to be just fine. February the 12th. He got this zinger off. That was to CNBC as the interview. The first one was the interview with CNBC. February 12th, he got this zinger off. It looks like by April, you know, in theory, when it gets a little warmer, it miraculously goes away. <laughs> On February 29th, we're starting to get we're starting to get into the the low body count. I think that people are starting to expire from this in Seattle. He told a, a television station here in Phoenix, well, I think the numbers are going to get progressively better as we go along. Yeah. 
on February 27th, the situation is very much control. He loves the word very. It's very much control. And he added, we had 12 at one point, and now they've gotten much better. Many of them are fully recovered. On February 24th, this isn't funny, but but we got to have a moment of levity. The coronavirus is very much under control in the USA. Stock market starting to look good, thanks to me. February 26th, our dear leader, President Trump, we're going down, not up. We're going very substantially. He loves the word very. He doesn't, he doesn't have, President Trump has a very limited vocabulary. Everything is, everything is very or really to him. It's like listening to, to Paris Hilton talk. If Paris Hilton was a 73-year-old obese orange person. On February 27th, this was a this was a great prediction. I'm sure all of the Fox News listeners that hang on 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 President Trump's every word and debate his greatness in the pantheon of presidents and think that there should be four faces of Trump on Mount Rushmore that defend him to to the T. This is what he said. This is what he said to the American people. It's going to disappear, everybody, one day. It's like a miracle. It will disappear. He chased that one on February 29th by saying, a vaccine will be made available very quickly and very rapidly. He then praised his administration's actions as saying, this is the most aggressive action taken by any country. Yeah, how did how did how does that how did that work for you, America? How does that work? We're all under lockdown. We have a lot of people that that are that are dying. Those of us who haven't had corona or haven't had symptoms, we're worried about it. I'm ready to beat somebody up because I'm trying to I'm trying to go for my jog today, and I'm someone who is a much better jogger and in much better shape. Comes up behind me, doesn't social distance himself. I was about to roundhouse Chuck Norris, that MFR in the face, because I don't want your sweat dripping on me and end up in an ER unable to breathe in a couple of weeks. The next comment on March 12th, Trump said this about deaths from the flu. He was making a comparison. He's on he was on Fox News. He's making a comparison to what we've seen in Italy. We are talking about a much smaller range of deaths than from the flu. Yeah, we keep going to that that whole thing that, that the seasonal flu kills 50,000 people in a given year. The difference is the seasonal flu doesn't put people on need for ventilators and the level of virility and the ability to transfer. You don't, you don't see doctors treating seasonal flu in the ER then they get sick and and drop dead. But 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 the Trump administration who who fired all of the CDC people and and all of the everything that was put in place by the previous multiple administrations. I mean Barack Obama 
I like Obama as a guy. I, I don't like the fact that, that he bowed down to, to some of the Islamic terrorists and people that very overtly. I'm not saying that all people that, that follow Islam are terrorists. That's a, that's a foolish and false narrative. But those, I mean, I'm talking about the people that said, hey, yeah, we bombed you. We're proud of it. I would not have shaken hands and, and bowed and hung out with those guys. It's just a bad look. But at least under Barack Obama, we didn't have tanks rolling down Fifth Avenue telling people that if you don't get in your house, we're going to start throwing you in FEMA camps. Then Trump was talking to his buddy, Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity, I, I, I said before on the show, I don't have a heaven or hell to send anybody to, but I can guarantee you that Sean Hannity is going to have 50-yard 50 50-yard 50 line seats in the skybox in hell. He told Sean Hannity that it's very mild on March the 7th. And then he said on, on March the 10th, this is the last quote, I, oh, I got to do the David Caruso voice. I am not concerned at all. It will go away. It will go away. Just stay calm. Fantastic leadership. And now we're borderline at the end of the world. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network Best of Episode. G. Classic hip-hop shit. Classic. DJ Dr. D.R.E. Rose and Jay. Let's get them. We started out mopping floors. And now we front row with the awards. Number one for the last 20 years. If you real, motherfuckers are offering cheers. Motherfuckers are offering cheers. Yeah. And it is what it is. He wanted to shine at the swap meet. To the white boys, got him in that hot seat. Only love it when I hair long. You should listen to this beat through my headphones. Money long, number one, 20 years strong. Fuck him, I am him, Andre Young. G5s to six foes, Dre got him. If that's bad, I got her in red bottoms. Great weed, nice homes, bread proper. Take nine, one chamber, top shotter. Bentley Coop, new yacht, my helicopter. Born broke, real chicken, straight out of combat. Oh, we from me. I rewrote the game, and I talk money. All black on my Al Capone ish. I built the house, niggas get your own ish. I only love it when her hair long. You should listen to this beat through my headphones. See how niggas hit switches on this shit. With the DJ Rampage. I came a long way from the weed game. 20 stack seats at the heat game And I'm still strapped with the heat, man Can't be stepping in and on the feet, man Hey, best, it ain't from the D-Gang Cause it was a crib 
said it was a seat thing. Brown bag, money in a duffel bag. Fuck all my with him, then we got a double bag. The homie whipping chickens in his mama kitchen. On the mission, say he did it for his son tuition. Real nifty dreams coming to fruition. Stumble, but I never fall, leaning on my pistol. I only love her when the ass fat. We should listen to this track in my Maybach. I'm just trying to be a billionaire. Billionaire. Come and suck a dick for a millionaire. Uh, Paragon, Paragon 7, it's just 7 different. Studios. Studios I know it feels different uh, I only love it for eyes brown Play that win shit, play around with my crown King H.O., y'all should know by now But if you don't know uh, Means on the wall in all my rooms Taking a walk in my daughter's room Taking a walk in my daughter's socks Banksy bitches, Basquiat. I ran through that buck 50 live nation running me. They working on another deal, they talking 250. I'm holding out for three. 275 and I just might agree. XD boy used to park my beamer. Now look at me, I can park in my own arena. I only love it for we've knew. I'm still a hood and do what you want me to do. Been hopping out the beam with your beam. Taking the places you can't go with your bedim. Screaming copy DM until I'm a dead poet. Robin Williams shit. I deserve a golden globe. I take an ace in the meanwhile. You ain't gotta keep this calendar, it's just a freestyle. Oh, rap money, I made more of crates. Oh, yo, money, I spent that on drapes. Close the curl, oh, your boy out my face. I whipped the coat, let the lawyer beat the case. Murder was the case that they gave me. I killed the Hermes store, somebody saved me. Stuck to the max like wavy. Oh, stunting to the max, I'm so wavy. Used to shop for TJ Maxx back in 83. I don't even know if it was open then. I ain't no Oprah then. Had the XL80 bike. Loud motor, they be like, damn, when I'm coming through. Ring. Had a grill in 88. Y'all niggas is late. So tell, because we, because last time we talked, we didn't, we didn't really get, unfortunately, we didn't get the tape out. So uh, tell us a little bit about the apparel line and the genesis of the apparel line, Bernard, kind of, kind of your background, how you, how you started this apparel line and, and how it's so important to, to be parallel to, to social justice and programs that are going on uh, across the, the country and across the globe. For sure. So I'm a filmmaker by trade. And when the pandemic hit, production stopped down. I had lots of free time on my hands. And I spent that time watching the news. I became a CNN junkie. And concurrent with the pandemic, we had the murder of George Floyd. And we had global protests in response to that horrific video. And that was just the culmination of protests that had been occurring at the prompting of the Black Lives Matter movement for the wrongful deaths of many Black men and women. And I got involved I was attending protests, I was making signs, I was in the streets trying to make my voice heard, expressing all that anguish, that frustration, and that fear. And and as I'm at these protests, I'm looking around and people are literally wearing their politics on their sleeves. They're wearing t-shirts, hoodies, all kinds of apparel with Mm -hmm. pro-black messages. But the question that enters my mind is, who's making this apparel? Who's profiting from it? Who's profiting from it? Is it us? And by us, I mean, is it black people? So I go onto the internet and I'm doing my research 
And I'm seeing all kinds of pro-black apparel that's basically being drop shipped from China. Mm. Now, I've got nothing against China or the Chinese people. I respect the hustle. But my suspicion is that if your Black Lives Matter t-shirt is being drop shipped from China, then no black person was involved in its creation, marketing, or sale. And thus no black person made any money from it or put their heart and soul into it. So Blackity Black Apparel was born out of what I perceive to be a need for a Black entrepreneur, a Black creative to make this type of apparel with integrity, to cooperate and collaborate with other Black creatives to bring it to the field, to bring it to market, so that if anyone is going to benefit from this moment of social consciousness and this racial reckoning, it's the people on whose behalf this reckoning has taken place, Black people. Absolutely. So if you're just tuning in to tonight's show and if you're listening in Nashville or listening on uh, any of our affiliates coast to coast, I have Twyla Greider and Bernard Parham who are uh, both in the fashion world. We, we, try to keep, we try to keep the show very diverse. Talking about sports, obviously have, have the health cast, the healthcare corner. Uh, we really want to get into culture. So bringing in people that are experts on fashion and sneakerheads and all of that good stuff. Twyla, tell us a little bit hey. about your journey and the, and the creative, stellar creative. How did you, I mean, you and I have been friends for a long time. You've been on the show several times. I, I'll never forget you actually on the show the day that Kobe Bryant passed away. You were out visiting in Phoenix, and, and you came on a show with me and Rampage. You are like me. You're a healthcare executive by trade, and similar to me, well, before me, you, you, you really had a passion for something else and you left uh, a, a very lucrative job and secure job to, to go um, hang out with a den of thieves into the fashion world. Tell us, tell us your story. <laughs> I think it's a very inspiring story to, to people that want to chase their dreams. You see so many people chasing their dreams in a post-COVID society because we're all broke. And we, none of us knew where our next meal or next check was coming from because of uh, what was going on in the world. But, but you were kind of early to the party. You, you walked away from a great career 10 years ago to, to pursue fashion, which was really your dream. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, it's actually been, it feels, it feels like 10. It's actually been longer. Um, yeah, I was, I got my MBA and I was selling interns. I was swinging. I was slinging HMOs, man. Mm. <laughs> and uh, it was lucrative, but um, at the same time, you know, I always loved clothing. I went to Auburn for merchandising, but I just so happened to get a dual degree in marketing. And at the time, I just didn't know how to um, enter um, the fashion industry. I didn't really know what to do and so I went and got my MBA and then I started swinging insurance but while I was doing that I was also a stylist so I always had my hand in the fashion industry in some shape or form and I would do personal shopping for professionals in the DC area a couple of them ended up dating some football players and I was able to um, style a few of them and um, I got on my job one day and I had about 300 emails and I was just looking at my computer and I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> like, I was like, this isn't for me. Um, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And 
Um, I remember calling my dad. My dad was like, but first, get that bonus check. Then <laughs> bounce. Mm-hmm. And so um, I did, I followed my dad's advice and I went to Houston and kind of collected myself for about six months and ended up going to um, get my MFA at Drexel and the rest is history. I worked for Jessica Simpson, um, Justin Timberlake's brand, William Raz, um, Robert Rodriguez, Michael Kors. Mm. And, um, you know, I woke up one day and I was like, hey, there's not a lot of people like me at the top. Uh, They don't look like me. And so I said, I know enough between my MBA and my MFA to be able to create a space for other people wanting to enter into this arena without having to go through the 15 year journey that it took me to get here. No, very, very, very good point. Uh, Bernard, if you, you, you touched on it to start, but I think that fashion, I'm sitting here, I'm wearing, I'm wearing a, a HBCU for, for my alma mater shirt. Um, I've, I've noticed since I've been doing the show, it's important the way that I dress. I mean, it's a part of my branding. And um, one of the, one of the things, uh, fashion really authenticates people. I, I do the casual. It doesn't, I could be talking to you, I could be talking to the president of United Healthcare. I'm going to be dressed the exact same way. And one of the things that I've learned is, is the way you brand yourself, if you're consistent, the statements that you make with your apparel really uh, leave an impression, positive or negative, on the people that, that you associate with. We're in much more of a different phase of fashion because of COVID. People are working from home. People are doing a different style. People are opening up their own business. So I see some trends in fashion. But Bernard, if you can, why is fashion so important, especially in African-American culture, when you have these, these uh, terrible events that, that are going on and, and protests that are going on? Similarly, every other week, I'm opening up the paper and finding out that either somebody got shot by police or we got the tape on someone that was shot two years ago by police or they were dragged or, or stomped out. It's just, it's every other week, it's, it's something bad. Why is that fashion statement so important to our culture? Well, I think fashion is the original form of protest, right? Even if the forces that be won't let you assemble, even mm. if they won't let you march, you can make a statement by what you're wearing. And fashion is political even when it's not explicit. So my t-shirt says blackity black, that's explicit. Right. Not just black, blackity black. Right. But when you think about zoot suits, when you think about you know, the way Steve Harvey wears a suit, right? Like that's a black expression. That's showing pro-blackness without having to say I'm Mm pro-black because we have a unique take on what white society tells us we should wear. If they say wear jeans this baggy, we wear them baggier. If they say wear them this tight, we wear them tighter. If they say this palette is acceptable, we go brighter, right? So it's a way of putting the culture out there it's a way of saying, I stand for black people. I'm unapologetically black, even if you can't do so from the floor of Congress, even if you can't do so from the boardroom of a Fortune 500 company. Paragon, Paragon 7, 7, 7 Studios. Studios.